Welcome to The Pause with Ellen Wyoming Deloy. That's me. I'm your host. Life can be demanding, and most of us get caught up in the busy go, go, go. But there is great value in taking a moment to pause and reflect. Constant momentum doesn't always equate to forward momentum. And I'm here to teach you how to take a strategic pause so that your next step is purposeful and in the direction of your goals. Develop self-awareness and skills that improve your ability to walk through life with intention. This is a path toward a more balanced, fulfilling state of being. Take a beat and then take action. The Pause with Ellen Wyoming Deloy starts now. Hi, good morning. Um, happy Tuesday. It's 9 a.m. here in Portland, Oregon. And I was just uh, joking with Jessica, the producer here. A rope just dangled down from the roof outside of my window and there are roofers above me. So you might hear some noise and um, I'm very hopeful that nobody goes past my window at an accelerated rate of speed. I mean, I say that in jest, but I hear yelling once in a while. It makes me a little nervous. Um, but other than that, hello, good morning and welcome. Today, we're going to be talking about conditional pictures. And I know you're probably wondering, Ellen, what do you mean when you say that? So let me back it up a little bit and take you to where I was last night when I was thinking about this a little bit more in depth. And as all good thoughts come, it's when I was in the bath. Um, and so last night I took a really long, luxurious bath and I brought the laptop computer into the bathroom. I set it on the toilet um, with the lid closed, obviously. And I watched a movie I'd never actually seen, but it was kind of big like 10 years ago, Water for Elephants from that book that the author wrote in like a month during like the month of novel writing. I think it's November. Anyway, it was just a sweet story. And I was just laying there in the tub. I had an Epsom salt bath. And I mean, the movie is like two hours long. So I laid there for a long time and I like heated up the water a couple times. And as I was kind of getting into bed, I was talking to my husband who amazingly enough was still awake at like 1130 when I finally uh, got out of the bath. And I was like, isn't the world amazing? I can lay in a tub, fill it with hot water on demand. And I have this magic machine with a screen on it, which you're all probably using one obviously to watch this episode but I have this magic screen that tells me a story while I lay there relaxing. And it seems so normal and commonplace and pretty available to like almost everybody. I know not everyone has access to hot water and bathtubs or internet, but I'm just saying in the United States, in European countries, like standard, standard, you can do that. And I just lay there in appreciation for it all. And I have to tell you why I was so appreciative of it. Is because, um, well, A, I love hot baths and I was very relaxed and it was really nice. Um, but B, like I haven't always been able to take a long hot bath. And it's because in our previous place of um, uh, where we used to live, our condo's hot water was very finicky and I could get a hot shower if I took a fast one, but if I filled up the tub, it was always lukewarm and I would have to boil pots of water on the stove. Now, we owned the condo. I could have just called a plumber and had it fixed, but it always fell to the bottom of the list with like two kids, um, my own business, my husband working, like all the other things we're managing. It just never like rose to critical, right? Did I need a bath? No. Did the kids need baths? Absolutely. Did we boil lots of pots of water on the stove for them? Totally. Were we very careful about pouring it into the tub? 
constantly. So it's funny. I had this like really strange how to take a bath experience for like five years living in this condo. And so where we've moved now, it's like this place was built in 2020. Why they're having to fix the roof is like beyond me, but it's really nice. And I get to just be in luxury. And I was thinking about how that's a picture in my mind where it's like, oh, I just can't take a bath. It's impossible. Like I, these other things are in the way and get priority for us. And it's a really small and kind of a benign example of a thing that I just never really addressed. But now I wished for it. And all of a sudden I'm living the experience of having it. And it's making me so happy. And I know it's a really small example, but I'll kind of bridge this to the movie now. And so I think probably many of you have seen Water for Elephants. It was big 10 years ago. Um, it's got the guy from Twilight. Reese Witherspoon is the counterpart. Anyway, um, sweet story, totally romancy kind of a thing. But I was watching it. And so the premise of it is um, it's 1930s. It's the Depression. And so there's a lot of poverty and scarcity. And people are in this circus. And they have to make sell out crowds so that people can get paid. And there are tons of other layers going on in here. And I was like, oh, wow, that's such a thing. And then at some point, you know, the two main characters are like fleeing the circus because like things are untenable, but then they're lost. And you sort of immediately feel the sense of loss they have outside of the group, even though all of it wasn't great. And I was thinking about how those are all conditional pictures. And let me back it up and slow and slow it down even further. So we'll pull out of this movie example and I'll just say it this way. And this is, I was rambling to my husband last night after being in the bath and telling him about this. And he's like, that's a really interesting point of view. But it's around the, the way that you either believe that you are the creator of the picture and the life and the story that you're living inside of. So maybe the person who created the circus for example, right? They created a whole world and then they hired people to fill the world and then they recruit crowds to come escape their world to come experience the world of the circus, right? And we all know a circus is a show. It does um, fascinating. I mean, if we think of Cirque du Soleil, you totally go into another world and it's a really lovely visit into something that's completely outside of our reality. And then for the people who work within Cirque du Soleil, they're having their own entirely different experience. Yes, their bodies are able to do outstanding feats of like contortion and gymnastics and all of the talented things that the Cirque du Soleil people do, but they're also just, they're also working and this is their, 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 their community or space or, you know, their day to day. And it's completely different than most of the families and crowds that are coming to watch. And so it's all about how you perceive where you are, regardless of where you are. Um, and within that, if you're creating the world and you know you're creating it, you feel identity and power within it, I think, most often. But when that world, let's say something happens like the Great Depression or the economy collapses or the pandemic happens, and then those worlds collapse, if we are fixed on the belief that the world we have been within, especially maybe even if we've done the one doing the creating of it, is attached completely to our identity, then we ourselves collapse because we've put our creative energy, our identity, and our value inside of the spaces that we contain, as opposed to knowing like, 
oh, conditions have shifted. The picture is different. The picture within which mine was inside of, right, when we're talking about a global pandemic, has shifted. I still have power to create something different, but I just don't know what it is yet. And because we don't have practice, knowing that we're always the ones doing the creating, though, yes, we do have to respond to external conditions. If we forget that we don't also have power to make very deliberate choices, we could feel like we could get swept aside. And I want to say, too, this is not about pulling out of a belief or a picture and just denying its reality if you don't like it. I don't like racial injustice. I'm just going to pull out of that and meditate my way into feeling a lot better. That might be a really great coping mechanism and strategy, but enough other people have plugged into that picture of racial injustice perpetuating and existing that it's going to continue for a while. And so ignoring it isn't going to help it get better. It's making the choices within it that can help start to shift and create more justice, more equity, more inclusion. And that's hard because you have to like bump up against other people's realities as you do it, but you have to say it's possible. And here's the things I'm going to try. I'm not going to be perfect because no one else has made a perfect picture with what this is yet, but I'm going to try and we can make steps forward. So it's interesting because it's like, I think you'll find in a lot of mainstream spirituality, and I saw a post about this this morning on Instagram, that we can just ascend and escape the trauma and trouble of the earth. And like, sure, if we all simultaneously decided to meditate and let go of our ill will, resistance, transgressions, like we might all spontaneously combust into like nirvana. That might happen, but it's so unlikely because so many people are all over the place. And so ignoring it, you could create something better for yourself, but you're going to get a little isolated at some point. And if that's what you want and that works for you, great. But like, I don't think it's the same as working in a spirituality mindset and improving your own conditions and your own life while also having positive influences in other ways and spheres. Um, trying to think there were so many other ways I was thinking of this. Um, the other way is I think the pandemic is still one of the best examples of it. Not great for so many people. I mean, I'll admit even last week, cause the weather turned here and it's super rainy now here in the Pacific Northwest and my mood just plummeted and I'm already really empathic and I feel emotions a lot and I have to do lots of meditation and clearing to like hold my own energetic space because I'll just pick up like a sponge, the miasma of feelings going on all around me. And it just tanked over the past week. And I was like, oh my God, is this residual ongoing pandemic vibes? Is this like misery in the neighbors around me? Like what is happening? I feel like I've been hit by a truck. And um, I was like, oh, I'm inside of the picture. If I'm thinking it's, it's the pandemic, I still have power and choice for how I can move through without denying that there's a pandemic and impacts going on, but I can try to make myself feel better and just keep going in those directions. Um, and here's where I'm gonna start bridging. So just keep following if you can. The ideas we have in our mind about how things are and then the concrete manifestations of what we see in our day-to-day 
are all composed of energy, just different densities of it, right? Matter is compressed energy. That's physics. Thoughts have to be something, even though we can't like tangibly go grab them, put them on a scale, measure them, parse out their atomic particles and understand what their atomic weights are. Like not possible, but we all might agree that consciousness exists, thoughts exists, feelings and emotions exist. And the best way that many people talk about things is through the lens of a frequency or a vibe, right? Like, oh, I'm vibing on this, or I feel that, or, ooh, can you read the room right now? Like there's all these subtle energies going on that our super intelligent, beautiful bodies are picking up on all the time. But we live in a very brain analytical, concrete focused world, culture and society. And I shouldn't say all of us do. There's a lot of people in the world. Um, I just picked up this book. I don't have it in here at the moment, but it's called Letras y Limpias. It's about um, like the curandera. So like the healer in Mexican-American literature. There are a lot of people that don't subscribe to just the tangible physical reality of things. There are so many indigenous cultures, um, indigenous wisdom, um, traditional healers, um, all of the people like the nature people out there, like the herbalist using plant medicine. There are so many other subtle energies out there in the world that our body has the equipment to understand, perceive, interpret that we're just not in practice with. And it's so important to be able to be curious and open for me, I would recommend it, about that. Because once you can start kind of separating out what your energy is and what everyone else's energy is or the thing that you're feeling. Oh, someone told me the story about they got to this house that they had rented and there, one was like an attorney and super not woo-woo. And the other one was like, just, you know, a feely person. And they were like, this house is, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Just like the house is haunted. Somebody must've been killed here and they wouldn't stay in it. It was like an Airbnb and they left and they went to a hotel, but it's like, yeah, there are energies that we can perceive. And if we know what's ours and what isn't, I didn't mean to freak you out. It's like close to Halloween, but yeah, what's ours and not ours. We can start to really figure out what pictures we are sitting inside of, okay? So keep staying with me here if this makes sense. Um, and we can start to say, oh, the energy of the story that I tell, the history of the thing that I should do, the way that I'm supposed to be, these are all sort of passed down ways of being or pictures that we can live inside of. And often we have no um, explicit agreement to be in them because they come from the families we grew up in, the culture we're inside of, the society we're inside of, and they just kind of get embedded into our physical body, right? And um, as energy. And I'm going to make another step here. When we don't find ways to clear the energies in our body, in our space that do not work for us, that is the onset of disease because you're making more tension and density and thing that our body doesn't want. And I'm talking about super subtle, like energetic awareness 
Um, I almost want to call it like the real origins of nuclear medicine, but I'm not going to say that because I know that's its own thing. And um, I'm not anti-Western medicine, but I am very pro a holistic approach that includes far more than Western medicine entails. And how does this loop back to conditional pictures and talking about the pandemic and like where we put ourselves in our lives? It's critical because it's all related, even though this is like a long kind of wandering tale, starting from me being in a bathtub, appreciating hot water coming out of the faucet. And um, that being a picture that exists in 2021, but maybe didn't exist in 1850, right? Like impossible then, possible now, because we all decided to believe it could be happening and we could make a system to make it happen. And going into like separating our energy and understanding what is real and not real for our truth, right? For our truth can help us make the choices within conditional situations that may not be so great that can improve them for ourselves and very likely for those that we most immediately connect with, who we can affect, even if they're in resistance to what we're doing because it's so different all of the sudden, right? You've just triggered them to go investigate their picture and they're going to firmly root back down in it and find all the reasons that you're wrong for doing something different or they're going to get poked enough into their own discomfort and go, maybe there is another way, right? And I think that in some ways, that's what the pandemic has done because people are like, we can't reduce global carbon emissions. But then if we all are forced to sit in our houses and turn off all the cars and shut down all the things, like nature comes back roaring through the city streets, right? Things get better. Sure, we can't lock down all of our economies and I'm not going to start going down this road, but we can find ways. It actually is possible. So the can't is actually just a will not. And that's macro, right? That's meta, that's the earth. But like when you look at your own life, the micro, your inner world, where have you been saying can't and you haven't realized it's actually an unconscious I will not? It's a place to go investigate because you can start to unplug and untie energies that are guiding you that may not be in your highest and best interest. So I think I looped it all the way around to what I want. And I do it the way that I do it and talk about it in terms of this energy framework because I am an empath and I'm an intuitive and I do, and I'm a clairvoyant. So I see pictures, I see energy, I feel energy. I also have, it's just, it's just this thing that I do. I give readings um, and I'm constantly looking at myself to, and it's primarily for myself that I started to really dive into my intuitive abilities because I wanted to understand better why I was always feeling so much that everyone else was feeling and why I was suddenly holding it right? Because my sense of safety improved if they felt better. So I was like, let me go fix all of their problems and I will feel better if they feel better. But then all that really did was just burden me with like tons of emotional pain baggage that was not mine to handle. So enter me diving deeply into my psychic tools to go, oh my God, let's go look at it. That's not mine. And building way better boundaries. Now you may not be 
interested and or know about or familiar with the intuitive abilities you innately have. Because like I said, if you're listening in the like the United States or like the industrialized Northern hemisphere world, it may not be something that was common to you, or you might not have permission to explore that outside of your religion or faith. Um, but I believe fundamentally that because we are creatures made of just compressed energy and our bodies feel so many things that we can teach ourselves and train ourselves to be so much more aware of what's going on around us and being able to separate what's ours and what isn't ours. And I have a few things I wrote down that have helped me on my way before I dove in on really intense purposeful development in psychic work. And it has always been for me a few things, movement, yoga, Tai Chi. I even did martial arts um, as a kid. That was a really good one for me, actually. My kids have started it and I kind of want to go back in with them. Um, but movement, some kind of movement practice, because we want to keep energy in our body moving and flowing. The more it gets stuck, the more things can collect. I did um, a Kundalini practice yesterday, and it was around releasing stress and anxiety. And I was like, ooh, that sounds fun, because I told you I was kind of going through a slump this past week. And I was doing some of the... Um, I don't know if you call it like the pranayama exercises with the movement. They're very kind of repetitive and lots of breath work. And I literally could see in my mind's eye, because my eyes were closed, I could see energetic adhesions ripping apart to move energy fluidly through my spine again. And I was like, oh my God, that is what has been stuck. And just kind of getting the energy in motion, despite the rain, despite the weather, despite the pandemic, like I'm feeling so much better. And I feel like I can show up for you today in a way that's hopefully helpful and meaningful, because that's what I want most to do is to find ways to be helpful and give thoughts and tips and tricks on how to improve your own situations. So movement is one of them. The other one that I have been cultivating for 10 plus years now is a mindfulness practice. Then two 10 week long trainings with mindfulness based stress reduction. I highly encourage you to check it out. They're usually fairly low cost. I think I paid maybe three or $400 for each of the sessions. It was through our local university's hospital um, because it's honestly really targeted also for pain patients, people who are trying to manage chronic pain without medication or with less medication, but it applies to everyone. And that's just the framework of the one that I participated in because that was near my house was the university's hospital. And um, I took the class, honestly, because I wanted to help teach at the time, the seventh, oh, this was longer than that then, 15 years ago. I wanted to teach the students that I was working with, middle school and high school students, um, how to have more control over their body and their emotions and their regulation. I was at an alternative high school, students coming from very diverse and difficult circumstances. And I built a mind-body awareness program with my yoga skills, but I wanted more in terms of how they could be mindful. So I took the training first so I could then teach it to them. Um, but that's a practice that has been a cornerstone for me to kind of get into my body. So much of our time we spend trying to, I think, escape our body. Like it's why Netflix has done so well. It's why everything internet and social media has done so well. We're all trying to find ourselves outside of our body, but really getting into our body is one of the fastest routes to inner transformation and inner knowing. It's also not easy, right? It's good to find a group or a place to practice, but it's so helpful. 
The third thing, and I should have said it first because I've been doing it um, the longest, is nature. Nature. And I don't care if it's a city park in an urban neighborhood or it's a patch of grass on the sidewalk, like that curb cut with the tree where the, like the little dog pee in a super, you know, urban area, or if it's like Grand Canyon National Park, right? Like nature is all around us. And it has been the primary place that I started to seek out healing without even knowing it when I was young. Um, I'll have to save that and more on that later. And I'm developing some coursework, particularly for parents who want to get out more often with their kids, but are hitting a lot of hurdles because it's hard to get out into nature with kids and go camping if that's not your bag. Um, but I'm putting together a lot of coursework around that because of my belief in the healing power of nature. And also that it's just such a great place to build closeness, connection, and bonds with the people we love. So stay tuned for that. Um, and the final thing I'll say is um, if you want to dive in into more sort of psychic tools around how to manage your energy, you should totally do that. Um, there are psychic schools that you can look up, um, psychic expressionism kind of classes, psychic meditation. I know it sounds crazy, but you can Google it and find it. And that's how I got a lot of my help to move forward. And I also now offer, if you're interested in just saying a quick hello, it, I offer clairvoyant intuitive readings and I do them for spiritual growth. I'll actually look at your past lives if you'd want, or you can bring questions and sessions last an hour. They're $75 an hour. And um, even people are like, well, how would I want pa like past life readings are cool, but I think past life readings are really cool because what they can help you do is see what energy did not get resolved from a long time ago that your spirit still carries an energy that's having an impact on your present time. Um, and I have had some amazing, amazing sights of what goes on both within my own past lives and how they've showed up for me. And then kind of clicking with why there are certain places around the world that feel like home, even though sometimes I haven't been there. And sometimes um, I feel like my heart yearning for them in ways. And then I've gotten a lot of insights about why that is. And it made me feel a lot more calm and understanding about what had happened. Um, same for others. And then spiritual growth is just me looking at where you're learning and growing within your spiritual development or even other ways of developing body, work, job, um, all those kinds of things. Um, I read neutrally. I never give advice. I'm looking at the pictures that you're carrying in your energetic space um, to help you say hello to what your options, growth, learning opportunities are. Don't give advice. Don't look at the future. It's not like that. It's simply looking at energy. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know we took quite a roundabout path, um, and I hope you'll join me next time. I'm second and fourth. I'm on second and fourth Tuesdays, um, 9 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here on The Pause. Whenever you are listening and wherever you're listening from, we hope this time gives you some space from your day to reflect and gain some insight into where you're going and how you can make your next steps count. If you're really looking to jump into your personal growth journey, schedule a free consultation with me and learn how my coaching can help you to start taking meaningful action in your life today. Visit my site, ellenwyomingdeloy.com. See you next time.
you know, once upon a time, I thought, I thought, who was the genius behind PETA? I mean, I used to think to myself, all of a sudden, there's this organization and they're doing amazing things in the world. You know, they are really going after the atrocities of our animal friends. They are looking out for those that cannot look out for themselves. And then I discovered, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, Ingrid, Ingrid Newkirk. And once I discovered this, I often ask myself, what is it about each of us that has a unique purpose and gift? And if you're Ingrid, you are going to do everything that is about the people for the ethical treatment of animals. And today, one more thing in a really cool and fun way, because she's the author of many books, is uncovering the mystery of our valian friends, our cats. I grew up saying I'm not a cat person until one day Felicia showed up on my doorstep and stayed with me through the entire writing of my dissertation. As a matter of fact, I think she wrote it. So today, step into the world of 250 vital things your cat wants you to know because they are talking to you. Ingrid, it's great to have you. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Dr. Pat. And Felicia's very lucky to have had you. Oh, and, you know, it was a fascinating story as I was reading your book and I was going through it. I, you know, she came to mind because I had so little information about cats, so little. And yet she she wasn't my cat. She lived two doors down. They never took her in. They, she wasn't fed properly. And I couldn't have her in the house at night because I had a lease. But the morning came. She was outdoors. I let her in. I fed her. I took care of her up until she passed. But I learned so much. Your book tells us that there's vital information and wisdom that we can learn, right? Yes, I hope so. And I mean, <laughs> a lot of it comes because I've been a cat auntie like you for uh, forever. And in fact, we have three cats now in our office who came from, they're getting elderly, from that BP oil spill in Louisiana when people lost their jobs and they fled the state and they left animals behind as people do. And this little family of a mother, a father, and their daughter came to us. We brought about 60 cats up from Louisiana. These three stayed with us because we wouldn't separate them. And that's another thing in the book about how not to separate cats. But they taught us so much. We have a hole in every wall in our office so the cats can find out what you're doing next door and go everywhere, including into the restrooms. There's no privacy in our office. Um, but we've learned over the years how to entertain them, how to read them, how to know when something's wrong with them. And I think, Dr. Pat, that sometimes people think, well, dogs require a lot of work, but I'll just get a cat and I'll throw oh. them in the apartment or the house. And it's sort of like having a potted plant. And it isn't. They're highly emotional, even though they're subtle and they have needs and wants and individuality like any other living being. Yeah. I mean, I learned that from Felicia. And I really think that, you know, there is, there is a level of communication that happens, you know, between a person and a cat that can go completely unnoticed. 
but yet there is a connection. You hear people talk about it all the time. I know dogs take up a lot of space in this arena, but when you talk to somebody that has a beloved cat, you hear every aspect about their relationship. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we're not educated about what the cats are trying to tell us. And that's what your book is doing, isn't it? It is. I was just talking to someone who thought that their cat didn't love them because when they went out for a couple of hours or to work or something, came back in, their cat often didn't want to speak to them, just turned uh, on their heel and walked away. And I said, no, your cat is actually miffed at you. I once went to Ireland for three months and I gave my cat Jarvis to somebody he knew and loved and they loved him. When I came back, that cat would not speak to me, would not look at me because they thought, you've abandoned me. Cats don't want you to leave the house at all. They want you to be family members who are paying attention to them all the time and they will know where you are. Just last week, there was an, an article in one of the papers about how cats are watching you where you are spatially in the house, always paying attention because, of course, you rule their world. They depend on you, whether they eat, they eat on time, the litter box is clean, whether you can play with them, whether they're ignored. It's all up to you. So you have this awe-inspiring responsibility to be there guardians, their family members, to uh, give time to them, patience, understanding, put yourself in their place. They are not a potted plant. You know what I love about the book too, is that all of that and what those of us that are not familiar with our, our cats, what we learn is what they love. And I literally, I literally, and good, I literally moved my setup where I was writing my research from one end of the room to the other corner because it was in a corner sort of, this is where you put your laptop and computer in a corner, but I moved it to the front window because what I noticed <laughs> is she loved to jump up. She sat there for years as I wrote this yeah. dissertation and the window was a backdrop. So there's something so interesting that we do not understand about cats in their ability to want and desire a great and interesting environment. Well, they have brains, they have minds, they need intellectual stimulation. You know, um, they're also, of course, professional bird watchers, and they're nosy, and they like the sunshine. So you shouldn't let your cat out, which we can talk about, but you should also make sure that you've dragged a dresser, or you've expanded the windowsill, or you've done something, so that, like Virginia Woolf, they have a room with a view, at least one. And if you can, put a bird feeder outside because that will provide them with hours of entertainment. They won't only have to look at uh, dogs going down the street and make nasty faces at them. They can watch the birds. But yeah, they, they need things to do. And they're, they're, they may not be easy keepers, but they also like simple pleasures, like a, a cardboard box. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't cost a thing. And it doesn't matter how small it is or how big it is. They'll cram themselves into it. They'll lounge in it. You just dangle something in front of them and they're totally amused. Get the shopping brown paper bag. Cut the handles off because they can strangle on them and it happens. 
and let them go in and out. Make pokey holes in it so you can wiggle your finger. You know, watch this finger. And just make sure they have things to scratch on that are not your couch, but other things to see and do. Uh, make them have a life. Get them cat TV, and then they can swat at things on that too. Yeah, it's so interesting. Let's talk about some of the things, too, that p- maybe people don't know. I mean, I learned it the hard way with Felicia. And, you know, I uh, I, I live in a very, um, what, what do I want to call it, a digital world. I mean, if you stepped into the office, which is a mini studio right now, you would see cords. You know, we've got them pretty neat, but they're cords everywhere. And what I learned is that that was something I had to be mindful of. You know, dangling cords from a computer is like a playground, right? For cats. Yeah, uh, there are hazards in the house that just as you would with a toddler who doesn't understand adult world, cat doesn't necessarily understand human hazards that you've left around. So uh, electrical cords, I mean, one day they go over and have a good chew and that's not good, or they can get caught in window blinds. You shouldn't leave dangly strings One of the really important things is always, always, always look inside the dryer before you turn it on. One of my dear friends, uh, Jean Lundy, uh, never thought it would happen to her. Um, She heard that thump, thump, thump in the dryer and thought, oh, the kids put his sneakers in there. And it wasn't. It was was her cat. Um, These things happen all the time. Also, look at your houseplants. If the plant is is heart-shaped, could be a real problem for the cat and keep the poison control center number, Mm -hmm. which I'll give you twice, 855-764-7661, 855-764-7661. Keep it on your fridge and on your phone or look it up because better a vet than a regret and know how to deal with emergencies, no pine cleaner, don't leave that oh. conventional antifreeze out. And I always carry two things, Arnica for pain and rescue remedy to calm a cat down in case something happens before I can get to the vet. Oh, wow. You know, how do we get a copy of your book? Let's make sure everybody knows how to do that. I know I got my copy on Amazon. Where are the different places people can get a copy? You can get it probably anywhere where you get books, but uh, 250 Vital Things Your Cat Wants You to Know, Amazon, or go to PETA.org, P-E-T-A dot org, and anything you'd like to know about animals, we hope to help you yeah. there, but you can also buy the book on PETA.org. And I just want to say, regardless of whether you get the book, go to PETA.org, please. And can I ask everybody out there, please get involved. When you read what PETA has done and is doing, I know it's hard for you to read about they are taking action and you can be involved. So I'm a ping pong player. I'm a table tennis player. I mean, I play a lot and I play competitively. Mm. The ping pong ball thing was the most enlightening part of watching Felicia be in bliss. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Yes, I know. I mean, the small things. Yeah, ping pong balls. And even scrunched up bits of paper or foil, you throw them down the hallway or across the room, and it gives them something to do, especially if they're young. They might be too aloof when they're old to deign to do it. But yeah, there are so many yeah. little things, and I, I list lots and lots of, of cheap, easy things you can do in the book. I do, I do really like Cap TV, though, if you're going out 
because there's so many channels and they can listen to oh, it. Yeah. And one of our cat goes behind the TV looking for that <laughs> dove who's cooing <laughs> on the front. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't that, I mean, y- yes, cat TV is definitely a must. Um, and there are so many other things in here, everything from, you know, cosmic catnip to, you know, more about how to clip the nails and so many things that, you know, our cats are trying to tell us. Um, I know this is a short interview and I know you have to run. Um, I would love to ask you, what are your, what is your personal message? What do you want to leave people with? And of course, any important tips you want to give them in this final minute or so left? Oh, there are a million, but please adopt, never shop, go to the shelter, stay and neuter, Trim the nails, never, ever, ever declaw. Always look after them as if they're a member of your family because they are. You know, some people say, I own a cat. Ownership's a relationship with a pair of sneakers, not a cat. Your cat is a family member and you're their guardian and they need respect and understanding. Give them variety in their life. Make sure their home is safe. Make sure it's wonderful and never let them out because it is too dangerous And I list about a dozen things that happen to cats who go outside. So don't think it doesn't, please. Oh, yeah, that's not even negotiable. Thank you so much for all that you do. And I love the book. I mean, there's so much in the book and the way that you've, you know, kind of written this out. It's so very, very important, you know, for people to really know because there is a heart to heart connection. And that's the most important thing for us to remember, isn't it? That heart to heart connection. Absolutely. They're part of your life and your everything in theirs. I love it. For those of you out there, please check it out. Uh, Again, another powerful message from uh, Ingrid Newkirk, the founder and president of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. That's what that stands for. Please go check it out. You can go to PETA, P-E-T-A dot org. And the book is available everywhere, including on that website, 250 Vital Things, Your Cat want you to know. Thank you, Ingrid. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you, Dr. Pat. All right, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. We're back in that jazz mood, aren't we? I don't know. What happened to the rap music, Benny? So, oh my gosh. There you go. Thank you, Benny. I like it. You're welcome. I'm going to play that in my car. Boy, I got to have me some baked something now. (laughs) I'm telling you. The truth is funny. Shift happens with monthly guest host Karen Benton. Tune in for powerful conversations about health and wellness. Karen brings unique insights rich with humor and science to her discussions with experts in medicine, movement, psychology, spirituality, and so much more. Don't miss Karen on The Truth is Funny every third Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBetton.com. everybody. Welcome, welcome to our Good News segment. Dr. Nina Seshamani is joining me here today, Director for the Center for Medicare, for the Centers of, for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Um, we have some information we want to share uh, with all of you. What happens when it comes this time of year and you're trying to make an effective decision? How do you compare plans? 
how do you save money? Uh, Dr. Thank you for joining me here today. This is something that you've been involved with. This is something that's like a passion for you. Uh, and there's a message to get out to people. Tell us about this year's message and how has it changed from previous uh, times? That's right, Dr. Pat, and thank you so much for having me. You know, open enrollment is so important for people with Medicare because people's health care needs can change from year to year, and health plans can change their offerings year. So shopping around and comparing plans can really pay off. People with Medicare should review their coverage to decide if there are better options based on changes to their current plan, their personal budget, and their health needs. Because even if you're happy with your current coverage, you might find something that's a better fit for your budget or health needs. And one of the things that we look at when we look at these things is we take a look at what the options are, what's available to us, right? Um, but we also talk about the importance of open enrollment, and this is where people wonder, have I missed the deadline? What am I looking at? You know, how do I know that what I have now? But there's also some interesting things, too. You know, sometimes the plans change. Sometimes you get new benefits, right? That's right. Yeah, and that's why um, we try to make it as easy as possible to review and compare Medicare plans. So you can simply go to medicare.gov, that's medicare.gov, and click on Find Plans. There, you can add the prescription drugs you're taking to this plan finder, and you can do a side-by-side -side comparison of plan coverage, costs, and quality to help you to more easily see the differences between plans and feel confident in your choice. Now, if you choose a new plan for 2022, you can enroll right there. And if your current coverage still works the best for you, then you don't have to do anything further. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think is so important for people is they just get panicked about timelines. Where are we? How much time do we have? And, and the other thing is, where do I go to find out? Now, most of the time, people don't know there's a phone number to call. There's just so many aspects of this that are important to get the message out to people, aren't there? That's right. And so with the phone number, so I mentioned the website, Medicare.gov. If you need further assistance, there is 1-800-MEDICARE. We are here to help 24 hours a day, including weekends. So just call 1-800-MEDICARE. From there, the people at 1-800-MEDICARE can also help you find free personalized health insurance counseling in your local community from the State Health Insurance Assistance Program, or SHIP. So there's Medicare.gov for the website, and then there's 1-800-MEDICARE as a 24-hour-a-day phone number that you can also call to get help with picking the health plan that's best for you. So as you're doing these, um, one of the things that is always an important question for me, especially because you're an expert in this field, is that you know, you're a strategic leader, you have an understanding of health and economics, right? I mean, we're talking mm -hmm. about you know, the many ways you've looked at 
our social systems. You've looked at your health economist, a physician, um, a health policy expert. Um, are we going in the right direction with this? And how does this year's incentive? How does this year's? Uh, how do these options really help us get closer to what people are looking for? Yeah, I'll give you an, another example of um, where there are opportunities to really support people with their health care needs. Um, so for people who have Medicare and are facing challenges paying for health care, they may qualify for Medicare savings programs that are run by each state. So these programs are for people with limited income and resources to help pay some or all of their monthly payments to Medicare, co-pays to the doctor, prescription drugs, and other costs. And this could add up to thousands of dollars each year in savings, depending on your situation. So if your income for 2021 is below $18,000, it's worth seeing if you qualify for one of these programs. And again, you can call 1-800-MEDICARE and they can give you the local state contact information to see if you qualify for a program like this. Now, can I ask you this? What are you most excited about in terms of where we are in getting the word out for people? I, I very, as a physician, as a health policy expert, I very firmly believe that we need everybody to have access to good quality um, health care, and it's very important for people to be able to go and choose the plan that works best for them. So by going to the website, medicare.gov, or by calling the phone number 1-800-MEDICARE, for us to be able to support the millions of people in the country who are on Medicare to pick the plan that provides the quality, the coverage, at the cost that they need. That is just so important. Um, and again, you, know, you mentioned about how long open enrollment is. Open enrollment, the last day, is December 7th. So after December 7th, people with Medicare will have to wait until next year's open enrollment period right. to review coverage options in Medicare. So this is why I'm here with you today, right? So we can yeah. strongly encourage people with Medicare to review their coverage right now to see if they can find better value. Um, and the Thanksgiving holiday is also a great time to do this. Um, whether you're connecting virtually or gathering in person, now is the time to speak with anyone close to you as well about your health care options. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? Because I know that there's something in your heart about this. Um, that's why you're doing it. That's exactly right. I really want people to have the have access to the health care that works best for them. And so taking advantage of this time and open enrollment to be able to go and learn about what is available to you so you can find the plan that provides you with what you need so that you can stay healthy and live life. I love it. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you for educating all of us. I mean, this is one of these shows um, that people 
adhere it will pass it on. They will tell other people. They will tell those people that are really struggling in the question. Um, and, and I know you know that. I know you know the ripple effect of good news. Thank you so much for yeah. all that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Patton, for spreading the word. You betcha. This is, this is one of these, I can't even begin to tell you how seriously important this is for people. I know mm. firsthand. That's why I do it. Seriously important. It is life-saving, actually. So thank you so much for doing that. Exactly, because as a physician, when I've taken care of patients, you know, people's health care coverage is so important for them to be able to stay healthy and for providers like me to be able to take care of them. Thank you so much for everything you do. Have a super, super day, everybody. Lots of information. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Consider follow-through in five stages. First, the vision. Describe the goal and strategy. Second, feasibility. Find out if there are constraints. Third, planning. Lay out a plan and a timetable with target dates. Fourth, action. Do the steps required to get to the finish line. And fifth, completion. Tie up any loose ends. Most people are more comfortable with either planning or doing. Strong planners may hyper-focus on planning and never get to the action. Impatient doers jump straight into action, but can get derailed if they didn't plan for contingencies. Realizing your tendencies, you can determine where your follow-through falls short. Learn the strategies that will keep you on track in my podcast, ADHD Self Mastery, Customized Strategies for Your Unique Brain. It's time to shake out your money-making truth on Soul Wisdom Abundance with Jennifer Bloom, creating wealth from spiritual health on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show is more than your roadmap to success. It's your compass to abundance through joy and ease. Jennifer Bloom teaches you about the soul's relationship to money and wealth and how improving that relationship serves both you and the world. Learn more at JenniferBloom.com. Diane Solano has launched her new show, Powered Through Health. Tune in for educating, entertaining, and inspiring interviews with experts from around the globe. Diane's passion is developing entrepreneurship among individuals worldwide in order to create financial, time, and geographic freedom. Powered Through Health is all that and more. To connect with Diane Solano, visit Synergy.ca. That's S-E-N-A-R-G-Y. .ca. Are you feeling overwhelmed or overburdened, like you are burnt out and that work has become unmanageable? Come join me, Dr. Kate, on the front porch every second and fourth Friday for open and honest conversations about burnout recovery during the From Burnout to Recovery show on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn more about me, visit LiftWellnessConsulting.com and begin your journey to burnout recovery. God, Where Are You? It's Me is a book that will inspire you, uplift you, and motivate you into pushing through the darkness to find the light. How to connect back to the God of your understanding when you feel all is lost. It will inspire you to keep expanding into the next level of life's journey and remind you that you are not forgotten. If life's struggles make you feel disconnected or left behind, 
and you just do not know where to turn anymore, this book is for you. Explore how simple life tools can last a lifetime when navigating through new territories. With each page, prepare to have your energy shifted and prepare to unlock the secrets within. If you're interested in reading this amazing book, God, Where Are You? It's me. Visit us at tracylclark.com and tune in to The Tracy L. Clark Show as featured on Transformation Talk Radio.